On June 27, 2008, boxer Santeros, a famous actor with ties to the Republican Party, vanished without a trace. Three days later, he was discovered in the Nevada desert with his memory erased. The government knew he had crossed the border back into California. But the circumstances of his return to the Southland remained a mystery. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Lee Film Podcast, where we get together to talk about movies and have interesting and fun discussions. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Richie, and here, as usual, are my co-hosts. Patrick. And Kevin. And, uh, yeah, today we are going to be talking about a movie that I picked, um, which is kind of hard to describe in a sentence, but uh, we will talk about that later. Uh, today is the 4th of July, um, and I feel like the movie that I picked is pretty relevant to that uh, holiday. But, um, yeah, maybe we'll talk about that later. Uh, what have you guys been up to? I'm trying to think what I've been up to. Uh, I was talking about Cruelty Squad. It's a great, like, four-hour review out online on YouTube now that breaks down, like, the whole story and explain like, doesn't explain everything because it's pretty open-ended. But, uh, yeah, it's really, it's probably my current it's easily my favorite, like a uh, criticism of uh, current culture. It's the most, it's the best uh, contrarian media. I want to say right now, it just resonates. Uh, I'm trying to think of great, uh, great little things to share. What kind of um, culture is it? Um, I guess critiquing or just the the, the dominant Western, like oh. American culture, basically. Yeah, it's just you're a, you're an economic hitman in the future when people can be reconstructed, and it's just uh, it just descends into madness from there, and it's all like acid washed, aesthetically PS one graphics, <laughs> hyper violence. Like the intro, I think, is your character gets a call from his handler, and he's like, "Oh, like I got jobs for you." And you got to go to mandatory counseling every week, or you'll lose it. And like the cut, it, the cutscene cuts to like a guy running around outside, just like mowing down civilians with like an M60, like, and no one's intervening. And like everyone's just walking about their day, and it's just, it's like a very good like uh, doomed, like doomed hundreds of years ago society. And it's just a great. Uh, and then it goes into Gnosticism. There's archons. There's, there's trigons of. Uh, life, death, and uh, transactions. That's the final <laughs> creation, the final super being invented around, I forget what time in the lore. But yeah, there's a stock market, and then there's an Oregon stock market. And you're, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just, it's like body horror, <laughs> acid wash, cyberpunk, hyper violence. And yeah, it's just a, a great. It's a, it's great media. It's just you, the pure, and I think it's made mostly by one guy. So it's just like a pure, like insane passion project. Or, Is it like an indie game or something? It's or? I, I'd say it constitutes as indie, but it has like, it's pretty polished, and yeah, it's just uh, 
highly recommend it. Or if anything, just watch like the four hour. If you YouTube it, there'll be like a four hour, 30 minute breakdown <laughs> and just give that a shot. It's a long explainer, but uh, it'll suck you in. Like, cause the premise sucked me in right off the bat. And yeah, just like the concepts in the game. Like there's a, uh, I was telling you guys about it earlier. There's a, there's an attachment for your body called a grappendix where it's an external intestines intestinal system that you latch onto like buildings and walls like spider-man the swing around in the game <laughs> and it's just yeah it, like it's intentionally like horrifically gross body horror <laughs> but yeah i like it yeah i definitely want to check it out uh cruelty squad yeah and i i am sold on that <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for me, uh, in relation to my favorite form of contrarian media right now, um, I don't know if it's necessarily relevant to any sort of political agenda, but I think it's Bo's Afraid. Mm-hmm. I, you know, after watching Southland Tales and hearing about, like, this this horrific sounding game of just complete desensitization of violence in culture to where it's just the norm where you walk outside and then you see somebody getting stabbed to death yeah and everybody just going about their day or just feeling like the world is just crumbling around you and like an entire onslaught of that um, I don't know why, but my mind just goes directly to Bo's Afraid. Um, that completely warped perspective, um, and to where everything just feels like too much. Like you're in- incapable of taking in any sort of sensation. Because it's just, like, <laughs> overload. Um... But yeah, other than that, <laughs> I've, I've been playing uh, lots of uh, Final Fantasy sixteen. Um, I'm loving it. I am loving it so far. It's making me get back into the series again. And relating to Southland Tales, seeing all the different factions and warring over culture... Um, with all their, like, insulated problems, but, like, somehow it feels like it expands beyond that. And I love, you know, Final Fantasy XVI's um, revolutionary aspect to it all as well, to where you're taking on these basic, like, oil tycoons uh, that are... uh, each, Each kingdom has, like, their dedicated fuel resource of what's called ether, which is, uh, it's, it's mother crystals, and fragments of them are the crystals. Are, um, and the way that they work by casting magic is by absorbing the Earth's energy and expelling out to create, let's say, like a flame or ice to freeze food, like that sort of thing. And it's creating this thing called the Blight, which is just completely robbing the environment of its, like, nutrients and, like, life, so it's just all, like, black and rock, and I love seeing all these different, like, groups fighting and, like, waging, um, trying to resolve some sort of conflict, but ultimately ending in a stalemate, 
Um, and Southland Tales has a similar thing going on with it where you have the neo-Marxists mm-hmm. fighting to somehow gain, gain control of some sort of area to get them like a bigger foothold in their nation. But it's just completely just overtaken by this oh god it's like the worst form of like party to like have control just totalitarian and just constant surveillance it reminded me of um metal gear solid Mm. like it it seemed like a mashup of metal gear um oh what's that one um it's the one with bruce willis and it's the the uh, fifth element element, yeah. yeah fifth element and Donnie Darko. Like, I can totally see how this is a Richard Kelly movie. Okay. Like, there's just certain aesthetics where it's just, like, the sweeping shots, like, that kind of, like, push forward and, like, hover above, like, a omniscient eye, just mm-hmm. going through time. Yeah. Uh, the Mega Zeppelin tracking shot. Oof. I love, I love it when Richard Kelly does that. I mean, he had some of those shots in Donnie Darko as well, where he shows, like, all the main players... Except he did it in, well, no spoilers, but yeah, we are going to talk about Southland Tales. <laughs> um, but yeah, just that signature, like, Kelly look, and even though he's only made three films, like, you know, like, that's, like, his style. What have you been up to, Richie? Oh, man, what have I been up to? It's been really hot. It's massively hot. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot more working from home, and then <clears throat> I, uh... My coworkers at my other job, um, we've been they've been inviting me to some pool parties. So they've all been going swimming while I just sit and dip my feet in the water. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm always down to like go to that. It was like really hot. It was like a sauna outside. I don't know how I survived, but um, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Just enjoying the heat, really, and a little bit of water and. Um, yeah, just spending time having more of a social life, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched Across the Spider-Verse again. And recently I watched... Oh, I watched uh, No Hard Feelings, starring uh, Jennifer Lawrence. She's incredible. Um, I like that she produced that film. It's like this raunchy comedy about like how she needs to save her uh, her mother's house. Um so like she needs a car and uh, she comes across an ad where uh, these parents are trying to hire someone to date their son their 19 year old son before they go to college super good i love the the premise behind it and all the millennial versus gen z jokes were super hilarious to me um and uh yeah it was yeah jennifer lawrence is was great like she's obviously the selling point of the movie and um yeah it's it's worth it just to see like J Law like doing physical comedy, and yeah, she's underrated in that aspect. Like she can do drama, she can do comedy, and she can do both. Um, yeah, I th- I thought she brought a pretty nuanced performance. So. Yeah, I, r- I recommend that movie if you want to have a good time and just laugh a little bit. Um, yeah. Besides that, just like last week, um, I've just been on like this time travel trip of movies um i feel like today's movie or the the movie we're gonna 
you know, talk about Southland Tales is maybe like the the um, the epilogue of the time travel movies I've been watching because I've been watching The Flash, watching Donnie Darko. Um, I, I mean, it's I, I think I mentioned it before, but it was kind of um, incidental. Like I just kind of I don't know. I was really interested in like the whole Flash and Ezra Miller drama and. Um, and I thought the movie ended up being pretty good, and I thought it got definitely got undersold because of the controversies. And um, yeah, and I love Donnie Darko. Like I can always return to that movie. Um, it's the whole reason why like I love movies in the first place. So I get I give like huge praise to Richard Kelly and like how he kind of brought me into like this kind of like uh, what was what's it called um like uh I don't know us being like huge fans or like I don't know fandom of film and just talking about it in a different way and having um nuanced discussions about it and I think he's the kind of filmmaker that tries to hit on um you know the forefront of like what's wrong with our world today um yeah makes me want to watch The Box (laughs) his last film before he like I mean, I, he, I don't think he's retired, but, like, you know, that's his last studio film. His last film that he made, like, 14 years ago. So I wonder how long until he makes another film. That's just kind of, like, eggs at me, you know? Like, dang, this guy deserves to do another film. And that's why Kevin Smith um, champions him as, like, he could have been, you know, the, the Christopher Nolan of filmmakers like he feels like he's kind of in that mold um but kelly just doesn't want to make movies that like he doesn't want to make franchise movies or remakes like he wants to make his own ip and yeah i love that how did you first come across his work um Dude, it was like my freshman year of high school when I was like hanging out with my uh, a new friend I made. He like moved over from Maryland. Um, he had like a bunch of movies in this room and one of them was like kids. And the other one was like, he had like The Dark Knight, or not The Dark Knight, uh, Batman Begins. And, and then he had uh, Donnie Darko. And I was like, oh, like I looked at the DVD and I'm like, hey, uh, this seems interesting. And he's like, oh. He's like, you don't want to watch that movie. He's like, it's gonna. He's like, you won't understand. It's gonna mess you up and whatnot. He legit like didn't. Even, he legit did not want to show me that movie. <laughs> he showed me kids though. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's how I came across Sunny Darko, and I was curious about it ever since. So like the next year after that, when I found out how to be a, a little thief, a pirate, on the web, I, I streamed it with some friends, uh, Donnie Darko, and yeah, I mean. It made me like want to buy the movie, so I bought the movie a couple of times. Um, watched the audio commentary for that. Um, yeah, maybe it plays into my bias and like why why I feel the way I do about Southland Tales, but I feel like I I get him as a filmmaker, like what he's trying to do. And I understand not everything's like perfect. Like I wouldn't say the films are perfect, but like I feel like it works with my sensibilities and my taste. So I'm like, you know, that all, all of that overwrites like any like, um, 
the convolutedness in the in the plot, or like I've seen theme themes or no like things seem spontaneous or super random, but like they have hidden meaning that like kind of foreshadows like what pe- what people are gonna say. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Southland tells is genius. Like if like one person wrote that whole thing. <laughs> I feel like that alone is like crazy, and how it still manages to come together, in my opinion, is uh, astonishing to me. Yeah, and it was made on a seventeen and a half million dollar budget, with all those names like, you know, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Sean William Scott, Sarah Michelle Geller, um, like Wallace Shawn, like Will Sasso, like all these actors like so many good people are in this movie um mandy moore like man mandy moore is like best known for this is us you know and she's like great in that show and this is her like also you know um still kind of a early riser in the in hollywood because she was in like a walk to remember and you know i felt like she was going to be a bigger movie star um <clears throat> yeah, and like Justin Timberlake, who's this is like right before he did the social network, so like he was on his rise as well. And yeah, this movie's like pretty much foretold some of these people's like careers as well in Hollywood. Um, so it's yeah, I don't know if this guy is a genius or he's just lucky or what, but. <laughs> Just getting all these people at this time, like, I don't think this movie could have been made at any other time. Um, it's definitely a, a movie of its time, for sure, and I feel like people watching it now or even later on in life was just like, ah, like, I've I've already felt this in my time, like, this, and I'm above this movie. But it's just like you don't even realize like the time period that it came from and how it already like foretold some of what you're gonna go through now, you know. Um, yeah, the fact that it like bombed pretty bad and not a lot of people have seen it like makes me sad because like that's why Richard Kelly doesn't have like this huge filmmaking career. I mean, he could. I mean, he said he's been offered roles, and I mean. If you guys ever look up um, his script for Holes, um, yeah, he had a pretty interesting take on that movie. I don't know if you ever heard, Pat, um, about like his uh, vision of Holes. Mm. I know the the one we got is kind of faithful to the books. If yeah. I'm correct. His was his like had um, I guess nuclear. Um, like nuclear bomb site it's like a nuclear bomb site or something and uh, and like it involves a prostitute and just all these like not disney <laughs> things it holds would madame um, Cerrone still be in <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i'm sure um what he did what his ver- his take on holes seemed way more interesting than what i've read in the book yeah that sounds opinion. fascinating yeah um so yeah he's getting by pretty much t- probably doing shadow work um writing for shows or things that he doesn't have his name on like yeah that's 
That's all he said he's been doing the past 14 years is writing. Cooking up. Yeah, probably more time travel stuff. I'm all for that. Um, yeah. What else can there be said about Southland Tales so far? Yeah, just underrated in my opinion. Didn't deserve to be maligned when it first came out at the Cannes Film Festival. They got like totally booed, and he had to like recut the film even though like it was unfinished basically and yeah just like what he i don't know i feel like he's an auteur filmmaker like a legit auteur even with you know a few movies under his belt like the fact that he was able to do what he did and had the kind of lines in the movie and the actors like man um yeah i think this film is like cemented in time as like one of those like cult classics where it should have been, you know, it should have been more. And there could have been more. I mean, even, like, if he did a Netflix series of this show, um, then he would have completely different actors. Like, it wouldn't, it would feel the same. You know, if this idea was brought up now and it was made into a series. But I don't know. I think it was better off than to have it. I mean, I don't know, it's still, like, I don't know if, if I'm making sense, but this film is still relevant, whether it's remade or not, or I think just all the ingredients that it got for that time worked perfectly. Like just, you couldn't get those actors in a Netflix series. Um, yeah, and, and so many names in the movie, like Amy Poehler, like, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to like go on a tangent, but you feel free to interrupt her. In- interject i don't want to feel like i'm talking to myself (laughs) no no not at all i was honestly surprised with how many uh snl uh actors were involved in this i i in when i came across will sasso and i'm like oh my god i totally remember him from uh mad tv yeah like i loved him in mad tv and yeah the the casting was absolutely insane in this to me yeah. and the fact that they had like a triple a like actors like the rock i i guess like in i mean not to me but <laughs> but um but to have that sort of like just that ensemble is completely mind-blowing to me what really caught me uh one that caught me i think i'm 99 percent sure this is the person i think it is i gotta look up the name but there's a uh towards the end i'm not trying to spoil it but there's uh, Justin Timberlake's character. It's one Janine Garoppolo's character. Yeah, yeah, she's she, there. She she's got cut there. out. Yeah, of the she's movie. just. But yeah. I saw her in the foreground. I was like, oh, that's that's like I was like, I know that person. Yeah. She's a comedian, if I'm correct, or a comedic a, actor. She had scenes with uh, Kevin Smith's character, Simon Theory, but um, it was part of the 2025 20, minutes he had to cut out. Okay. Um, yeah, it's in the cam film version, uh, which I have yet to watch, but I will soon. Um, it's like, yeah, it's longer and not as much narration. Yeah, but like that little, like her in the background or in the foreground of like a, that scene, I was like, oh, I was like, why? I was like, there's, that's like another, like the Will Sasso. I was like, oh, it's the guy from Mad TV. That was one that also jumped out at me. I was like, like, I, that's, that's someone. Why haven't they had any dialogue or scenes? Why are they just here? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when you explained they were cut, I was like, oh yeah, so 
they definitely gave her that role and then in post it had to be removed but they still kept her in or she was already in that she's just in that scene then. yeah yeah and they had Justin Timberlake for only one day of shooting so yeah. they shot 16 hours Jesus <laughs> holy shit um yeah so all his scenes were done like pretty much in the day and uh, his narration was really good too. I was like, dang, I I've never seen Justin Timberlake as a bad actor by any means. Like, I don't know if the, he had the stigma because he's like a, you know, uh, a singer turned actor kind of stigma. Like, um, but I feel like he's one of those uh, molds that like work really well. Like, I thought he became a pretty good actor. Mm-hmm. I think there's a huge reason why David Fincher casted him in Social Network and like the with the scenes that he had I thought he was like really strong um, yeah he has some pretty uh, dramatic acting in here um, yeah and I didn't even realize that he uh, he grew up in the south as well so yeah yeah there's a lot I feel like there's a lot to like about this movie but I can also understand if people don't like it or if it's a bit much well with that being said should we just talk about the movie and then give our ratings um yeah Richard Kelly's Southland Tales it is a story about um a movie star who wakes up with amnesia and um, suddenly he's involved in a plot where he's um, being used by a a covert group for political gains. There is uh, a police officer um, who uh, is in search for his twin brother and there's also the the former adult actress turned entrepreneur, you know, and how she's involved in, you know, these these webs of uh, conspiracies. Uh, there's a lot going on in the in the Southland Tales. Um, yeah, I mean, I think within the story, uh, it takes place in 2008, mm-hmm. and I think it was two years after the uh, American Hiroshima or like the the bombing in I believe Abilene, Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that introduction with the found footage. Like, yeah, I just like all the, the filming techniques and the styles that Richard Kelly has had at his disposable, uh, disposal at the time. Um, I was like, man, this guy can really make movies. Like, if he can do a found footage movie, I can see him doing one if he wanted to. Um, yeah. Uh, that's basically the plot. <laughs> But there's so much more going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there's so many different... It, it, it feels like each storyline goes into the other one to where it becomes like a meta-narrative, but then also like another one going on at the same exact time. And it reminded me a lot of uh, Philip K. Dick's work. Like, for instance, with Total Recall and... It, it just felt so dizzying with just how futuristic and, like, contemporary and 
not too far off into the future all of this seems. It's, it's, it's very uncanny at times. That's how I felt about it. I was like, oh, this does not feel good. And then I heard Chris uh, Niles quote, scientists are saying the future is going to be far more futuristic than they originally predicted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about it, Pat? Uh, I... I admire it for being, uh, like Richie said, the context. The zeitgeist at the time was very much not going to be accepting of this film, so nothing but respect for the gumption to actually do it. But then I feel like it falls still into a lot of the trappings of media from that time, both like you know pro and contrary, and uh, and yeah, it's just uh. I like certain characters, and then there's just other characters where I I I wanted them to be off screen, and I I was like, I'm not sure if there's, uh, you know, and then going back to the thing of we come in on chapter four. I feel like that really hurts the movie, because like I want to see the I I feel like we're missing the the build up and like the context for a lot of stuff that's happening. With certain characters like uh, Justin Timberlake's character like I I'm aware of the significance and I believe there's like narration through like a news coverage story and like they, they give you information and context through that like little details on the transitions or like in the background noise or diegetic like as a character sitting on their computer watching the news it's like oh you know officer pilot blank wounded uh, friendly fire I would have felt it would have been more impactful to see that, like in this first chapter one, two, three, whenever it happens, to see those connections between the characters and this. Although I do like the, I, the, you know, it does have the mystery going for it, of the, you know, the, the us coming in in media res, or I think that's the word for we're coming in in the middle of the story and we're piecing mm-hmm. it together along with characters. And then, yeah, like the, but yeah, then some of the stuff just didn't, like the uh, boxer, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's character, it took like two seconds for me to put together his his significance. When he's like introduced, you see the tattoos and the belly button one and the right shoulder is, I think, uh, is it Shintoism? And the left is, uh, I know the middle back is Christ and then he has the Star of David on his belly button. Mm-hmm. And then his uh, the the context of you know he went missing for three days and then returned. So it's, okay, here's our Christ character. Uh, he, he I think one of his first lines mentions stigmata. I want to say, or is that someone else I'm thinking? Of? Yeah, Krista said that. Yeah. Um, well, in the beginning. Yeah. When he comes up. So I was like, yeah, yeah I was like, we're coming to media res, but I I I've already solved this character's significance. <laughs> they're together yeah, the religious center, but I do love details that were flushed out with that character and yeah I, I, I like the script I like the I love that the concept of the script and theory but then it's quickly like put on the back burner and then we're introduced to a new thing of characters are staging a police shooting and then there's a new thing where there's an exploitive like sex tape and then there's a new thing where it's like you know 
or I get how they all contribute to the catharsis and the climactic moment. But I was like, maybe it's because we're coming in halfway through, or it just feels like it's like here's this, mm. and I was like, oh, okay, I care about this now, and it's like, okay, well, also here's this, and I was like, oh, okay, and then it felt a lot. It felt like it was muddy in its own waters a lot for me. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, the first chapter basically acts as uh, exposition to fill you in on like the world and some of the the ongoings you know the the terms like fluid karma mm-hmm. um you know the the uh the corporate master of it all the um baron Vos, uh, von yeah uh westphalia yeah. yeah uh shoot i forgot his name uh wallace sean's character yeah um yeah and like what he's doing and how that impacts you know the state of things um and yeah, and then yeah, it's just like that character, the neo Marxists, I like his characters on the beer, like referential of like 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 these are just like, I don't know. I feel that that part did feel reson- very resonant, because you know there's a lot of like, there's a lot of more there's a lot more communists nowadays, but you know they're not they're not dragging out the Bolsheviks and shooting them with rifles. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, that was refreshing. But yeah, and then the... I forget the significance of his... I know Westphalia is... I want to say the... the is it the Hundred Years' War? Or... I forget. It's one of the wars was like... I forget if it... That was like the House of Origin or the Conclusion Site. The Treaty of Westphalia, I want to say, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of... There's a clear, like... You know... I'm sure there's like a encyclopedia encyclopedia of like the signifiers and significance of like a, like the name of this character the but yeah like the the thumbs what is it the digits for the fingerprints yeah but like the ah, there's like a it's just like context is missing like i know you need the it's more authoritarian where you need your fingerprint for access to certain things mm-hmm. but there's like a group that is like removing thumbs as like protest or you want oh no they were trying to rig the election okay uh yeah just like the voting polls and stuff and yeah um i guess they gain other people's you know like that's how you give up like your bank card information or basically everything yeah uh yeah digits for change and you have like four fingers left over after your yeah like i yeah it's like okay and then but then like the motivations and then it falls into the trappings of there's a direct bush allegory and he's like cartoonish and like 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 just a befuddled idiot like surrounded by like you know the real the real neocon demons (laughs) or just like that's partially true but it just falls into that trapping of like you know in a way it's desensitizing to the image of like oh he's just too stupid to know better that's why he killed a million iraqis civilians and it's like oh you're kind of taking away the significance of you know the context of the era i get there's a cheney allegory who's like pulling the strings right behind him but it's oh yeah like the little slug lines in the new segments where it's like cheney so yeah yeah and then just the and then like the neo-marxist things is prop 69 (laughs) 
and like I don't know something about that like just falls flat like they, they give me like a prop 69 I was like eh <laughs> it's like I see the joke but like it's, it, it doesn't hit hard enough like I I don't know why it's like like the the I think the the neo Marxists are like like we're gonna bl- release the tape unless you vote like you swear to vote yes on Prop sixty nine, and then the I forget the character, is it Jessica now? Krista now. Krista now. Yeah. It's like I only know if one of those I only know what one of those <laughs> positions. That, that is. made me laugh so much when he, when pilot Evelyn <laughs> like. Uh, came in with that narration about like what that number meant to her <laughs> yeah but then I was like okay what's this radical proposition and it's like a way to ensure that the democrats win the next election and it's like I don't it- well prop 69 is about trying to restrict um, the um, USI debt yeah right the surveillance yeah right? so um, yeah which is like head by uh, Naname Frost I think that's the character's name yeah was played by Miranda Richardson. Like she, I liked, I wish I just got to see more of her, but like I guess you know, she plays like kind of like the Eye of Sauron type, of, mm. you know, symbol um, of the story. Like she can see everything that's going on. Yeah, I like the uh, uh, the fake out with death. And there's Christopher Lambert and her. Yeah. Is that her character in the? Christopher oh. Lambert, the ice cream truck guy. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't there like a chapter blank? I forget the introduction. I th- maybe the narrator talks about it. About what? It's like it's like introduces the truck and it's like something about death is coming. So you like communicates that one of the characters in there is like bad business. Oh yeah, that's yeah, Lambert's. And then there's yeah, a character buying death. blanks and Lambert yeah. is yeah. there. But then he's quickly like dispatched. So I was like, <laughs> oh, she must be actually arbiter of death. And the dips. I was like, oh, it must have meant to subvert me. Because like she's buying blanks for the, f- the fake assassination but then it twists then it, yeah and then so he's like get the fuck out of here when she writes a check and then she just like dis- disarms him and beats him so i was like oh okay like he's just like an arms dealer and she's the actual one that you reckon <laughs> i did enjoy yeah I, I yeah but it just like that landed a little bit but like the other stuff doesn't land the the satire and parody it feels like either not extreme enough or not like prescient enough although again given the context of the time it was way ahead of the curve which credit for that but like the you know it just falls into the trappings like uh krista now it you know there's been like a paris hilton resurgence where she's like written her book and she's come out and she's like yeah like you remember the culture back then of the you know, like, she literally couldn't operate a phone. She's so stupid. She's just a sex item and all that. And she leaned into that, where now she's she's come out with a new public image. Or not public, but, like, back then that resonated so strongly. And so the film takes that character, and I was like, where's the, where's the more endearing aspects of that character? And they never, like, they never give her more depth. Like, she's basically still, like, just a ditzy sex item. Although she does have depth, but it doesn't, like, it, it's... It doesn't treat her like a person, or you know, the, it's convoluted, in a way mm. to me. Like she has strong sensations or feelings, and she has like these aspirations, and but like she's dismissed inherently. But like the film is also dismissing her. It feels like, because she's like, okay, we're gonna do a documentary now, and she goes out with the, her like reality TV like fellow porn star friends. 
And it just felt like there's a commentary here, but it doesn't feel like the commentary is like conscious enough where it's just like a level above what is mainstream. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I think my favorite storyline was definitely involved with uh, Sean William Scott's character. Uh, what was that character's name again? Roland Taverner. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was uh, talking to Pat earlier um, before we started recording, and the scene yes. where it's the stage. Oh wait, we we're we're in spoilers right now. Or, or oh no, we aren't. No. Oh, whew, whew. <laughs> okay. I gotta hold off on that point. All right. Well, um, I enjoyed how this film was able to cut up like various narratives and make it seem like they could stand on their own at times like not every single one did that necessarily but this one in particular really i don't know it ended up being one of my favorite um like micro storylines um but this this film felt incredibly expansive um one thing that i found very endearing was um the depiction of um maps and all these like various like readings and like surveillance programs and everything it felt um futuristic and a weirdly like if you went like if you tasked somebody who was born in like 2012 to basically recreate a website from like the early 2000s um without having any foreknowledge of it this is what it felt like like that sort of depiction um which to me made it feel all the more insane like it just yeah this 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 movie was was definitely something and it, and it lived up to my expectations um because richie you were telling me about this movie a few weeks back um and like how it's so there's a few diff- there's a few missing chapters that are in a text form and I was trying to figure out like okay well what what everything like came before like I want to know more about like Boxer's origins and everything like that it's like he's like just appearing as this like new slate of a person you know having no memory of what's going on and I found that part to be really cool it um, reminded me of Dune in a way um, where you have this messiah-like creature or a person who has limitless fortune um and seeing them pitted against all these different factions of and groups of individuals with all you know uh intersecting desires that you feel like you know this is a two and a half hour long movie like they really they really take their time in like building up all of these, you know, different groups and every but and everything, and I, in the end, like how it all came to, like the big finale of it all when they all finally do intersect. I still feel like I need time to process that and how I feel about it because I finished watching this film about you know earlier this morning, and. To me, this feels like a masterpiece of a movie, but for some reason, I'm not going with that. 
like I feel like I need more time to really determine if it is or if like I do have particular criticisms of it um because everything that I'm hearing I'm like holy shit yeah this all makes sense to me (laughs) like talking about it with you guys (laughs) yeah I I just the the scope and ambition of this movie is absolutely mind-boggling to me I can't even fathom how long this film took to make how much resources they put into making this I think they made the movie in like 30 days whoo yeah <laughs> that sounds like a whirlwind that's why it was only 17 and a half million dollars it's they put it together pretty quickly and um yeah it's it's pretty crazy how they were able to do it within that time frame if you just imagine like a second year director he's really young at the time I think he's like barely 30 years old not even probably um handling all that yeah that's pretty insane um and if you pit if you ask people to guess like the budget of this film i would say like 50 it looks like a 50 60 million dollar movie like a mid-level budget film and the fact that he was able to make the film feel bigger than it than what it looks like or what it does um that's a testament to him yeah but yeah i appreciate um your guys' thoughts um yeah i guess my rating would be a five out of five. I think this film is great. It's a masterpiece. I don't think the plot is like perfect by any means, but I guess if you dig into it and you want to know more about what's going on and everything, you can find out. And I feel like me doing that helped helped my experience watching it multiple times as well. So, um, yeah, and I think the movie's hilarious. Like all the one-liners hit. Like. Um, I, yeah, I just like that every almost every actor and every character were able to have memorable moments where you can remember that character even if you don't remember their name. Um, yeah. What about uh, what about you? Uh, I'd give it a two out of five. Uh, I appreciate the significance of its uh, time of release and its. Uh, uh, it's, it's refreshing that the release people are aware of the of the zeitgeist in the era but a lot of the comedies in land uh, uh, a lot of the satire didn't land but some did I did uh, I did appreciate some of it and then I do have uh, maybe this is you know it's 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 one of those debates of artistic decisions but like the uh, I don't know it felt like a the adaptation the adaptation of this the, the it's a book series or is it just like a original screenplay fully and he just never oh this film yeah is it oh, based on the original screen original yeah. it's not adaptation i mean he he is inspired by like philip k uh dick i mean it it's like i don't think it's a surprise cuz um he's openly talked about that okay yeah. but like coming in on chapter 4 and a lot of that it felt like there was. It felt like they wanted more money or time or whatever to make. Like I feel like I didn't get the complete film, and I got instead the part that was allowed to be made. And I was like told to sit with it. Like no, this is it. And I feel like oh no. You, if you if you have if they're not gonna give you the budget, you can like choose to adapt it a different way to condense it or streamline it. And it feels like he's like no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna 
which is respectable in a way, but then it hurts the narrative for me just because it doesn't, you know, it feels like I am missing a lot of stuff, a lot of context. And I was like, I want that context. Like, you got to find a way to integrate that if they're not going to allow you to make that stuff. Or, uh, like, make adjustments to refine it so you don't need that stuff anymore. But it feels like he chose to do neither and just did straight up what he had and said. And like you said, you can read the rest. I know he's working to animate the first chapters, I believe. I saw there's like, news doing a little research, like, in 2020 or 2020-something. He, yeah. at a conference or a con, he talked about how they're working towards... Yeah, like at least doing like a motion comic, I want to say, or some type some type of animation to complete yeah. all the missing. Content. He always wanted to franchise this universe, yeah. <clears throat> even back in town six. So like he always wanted to um, do a web series. He had you know the graphic novels, the pre the precursor to to the film. Um, but yeah, obviously it didn't work out. Cause yeah, they, I mean they didn't even make they did not make a lot of money. So I mean three hundred. 80,000? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of ridiculous. Like, they definitely should have made more than that. I don't know how that wasn't, like, marketable. Mm. But just think about, like, the bombs that come out this year. Like, people consider that bombs, but, like, I don't know. Yeah, just re-release this film. I'm sure people would watch it. Yeah. Like, what is this film? As The Rock. Yeah. yeah. It's like free, print free money at this point if you re-released it. But yeah, that, but that, that, that feeling of like you're giving me the, you, you want the franchise, you're giving me the introduction through this film, but then I feel like I'm not being fully brought on board. So like, I know you can go read the prior chapters or you get more context and all that, but it's, I want the film to at least pull me in fully, and it didn't. And I felt like I was missing a lot of context. Which, you know, it helps, but then the climax and the payoff for a lot of the stuff I felt like didn't happen or it didn't have the weight of, like, the two-and-a-half-hour movie. I was, like, like referencing the the police aspect that we'll get to in spoilers. Like, I kind of I kind of lost the plot on that one. I was like, okay, but, yeah. But, yeah, that's... that's uh, I look forward to talking about it more in the spoiler talk. All right, yeah, let's move on. Um, yeah, I think this film, The Rock really showed why he's, like, the movie star that he is today. Mm-hmm. Even if he is, he has been in a couple of flops before, like, it's going to happen. You know, not every actor, you know, um, starring actor is going to make money on every movie they're going to be in, but it's going to happen eventually. And... Um, I feel like he took a huge risk playing a role like this because um, he's going against type. You know, he's typically like the action, the hero, the, the macho star. But this one, he's like super cowardly. Like I did love that. Like courage to cowardly dog type of, <laughs> type of vibes with him, which is like super great. Um, he's like twiddling his fingers. Yeah, that was, that was so endearing. Like, something <laughs> traumatic happens in front of the character and the big, the big rock, like still like fresh off of WWE. Like yeah. just leaves, and then he's like, someone's talking to him. He's like, like stress fidgeting and like not yeah. sure what to do or where to go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great to see him like this massive guy like 
perform like that. He does it so endearing. It's very gifted. Yeah, I think he had a lot of potential. You know, like people shit on shit on him now because like Black Adam flopped and like now he's, you know, keeps doing all these franchise movies. Kind of typecasted now to be an action hero. But you know, early on in his career, like he showed, like yeah, this is like after the rundown and after Scorpion King, um, yeah, that he was like was willing to like do, take risks and do these really obscure roles. The Tooth Fairy. <laughs> the Tooth Fairy. Yeah, he's in Pain and Gain with Michael Bay. Um, yeah, I thought he was really good in this movie. Like I really felt his charisma still, and um, yeah, his character being the like decoy messiah figure when it's really Sean William Scott like Roland Taverner being that um like I don't know the plot twist like really got to me even like after the mega zeppelin getting blown up I'm like dang that like really hurt like after watching it because it's just like oh man like everyone that you stuck with in the beginning like all gone and but then like yeah I mean there's that catharsis in the end because um you know, the world can be restored again because they shook hands. Wait, are we in spoilers? No, we gotta get, we gotta get Kevin's rating. Oh. <laughs> oh, I thought you said you weren't gonna do your rating. Oh, oh no, I said I feel like I need more time to process like oh, okay. how I feel about the film. Okay. But I feel like I, w- I would give this film a 3.75 out of 5 because... Like I said, I feel like there's still so much that I have to process, and the main thing that I feel ambivalent about is, would I'm I'm just having this like weird thought like, where would this film work without cultural icons playing into those specific roles, um, and I don't know if I necessarily have an answer to that yet, and I, no, I just it's like it's funny because like we see them now as cultural icons, but back then like. It wasn't, like, a sure thing, you know? And you do have a veteran cast mixed with, like, these newcomers. Mm-hmm. So even then, like, The Rock, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Sean Moom Scott, like, all these younger actors, like, you don't, you didn't even know if they were going to be big stars, you know? You didn't know if Mandy Moore or Justin Timberlake were going to be, like, who they are now, right? So it's pretty crazy, like, watching it in that perspective or if you want to watch it in 2006 and now, like, yeah, it, it feels kind of weird, right? Just looking at all the names and people. Yeah. Huh. I'd say it's like a shotgun blast because some of them definitely didn't take off. Like if you grab a bunch of TV personalities and make a big cast ensemble, like you're you're gonna capture maybe the next Rock easily versus like my dinner with Andre with The Rock and uh, Will Sasso. Like one <laughs> of them did bid. One of them went on to do a me is a super superstar, and one of them's just kind of plateaued where he was already I think that uh, what makes me upset about just some of the story beats is not necessarily about the content itself but how prescient it felt where it was predicting where we are now but that was all before and it makes me feel very upset. <laughs> because like Pat was saying, it feels worse. I think it's prescient in that it was aware as it was happening. Because mm-hmm. like that, that 06 is when it was getting like that. Not to the same extent, obviously it's played up, but like 
you know, there's like a police shooting that kind of just falls to the wayside completely in the plot. Where it's like, oh, okay, uh, that's prescient now. Yeah. But like, you know, back then there was it. I I think it was wild back then. Like it was it was it was like understandably. And that's why I gave it credit. Like it was aware of the zeitgeist. Like here in Sacramento, I think we had like two or was it one or two chic gentlemen, just ran like uh randomly murdered. The UC Davis stabbings. You're talking about that? No, I'm talking about uh during like post 9-11 oh, oh, yeah. during this the war fever of america yeah here in sacramento we had at least i know one chic gentleman was uh targeted and murdered for his mistaken relation to this nebulous antagonistic enemy of middle easterners and the culture that's all foreign to us like they literally killed a chic, a chic man here in california right. and you know so when I appreciate the film being aware of the context of, like, the zeitgeist in that era where there's, like, radio hosts calling for, like, nuking the Middle East. But then it also leans into a lot of stuff like the, you know, like, the the, the reflection now upon that era is, like, there's no weapons of mass destruction. There's no direct threat to the average American. But the film opens with, like, a theoretical nuclear terrorist attack. Mm. So it's buying into that zeitgeist ah. fear... And using it for a narrative thing to spin it into how, look, our fear is going to make us authoritarian. But I was like, there's chic gentlemen being murdered randomly as revenge killings. There's a million Iraqis killed in that war from... And he was on the cusp of like 07, 08. People began to reflect and push back against the, the uh, just the war fever the nation had in the era. So it's prescient in that way, but that's where I'm like, I feel like it taps into that, but it's not like, things are worse now. Like, mm. there's, there's you know, body cam footages of police murders, and there's subjugation of everything, and spying beyond what the film could imagine. You know, like, cameras in the bathroom. It's like, no, there's like an artificial lotter id number individual constructed and analyzed by ai that tracks all your web surfing so it's indirectly not spying because no one is directly looking at it but a computer program and ai is analyzing an, your your internet consciousness and surveying it constantly and then once it does once it is deemed worthy of being investigated you are immediately allowed to be investigated like the spying is beyond like cameras in the bathroom which is a violation of privacy but there's like you know there's like subtle like subconscious peeling back they attempt to do conscious you know like that's like things are worse now I, I feel yeah we don't have the 50 calibers on on a rotating like, on a platform. rotating like kill turret on like above a restaurant on a pier in <laughs> Venice Beach but you know like there's there's that there's that great footage of the guy like crawling on his face with his hands up and he like pulls up his belt and like the have you seen, seen that one where it's mm-hmm. uh it, the police officer has a submachine gun and uh, it's the f- if you've heard the audio of like the get down sir get down get down it's uh yeah it's just a guy a police guy responding to reports of a man with a gun oh you're talking about he just shot him right yeah he yeah. shot him when he was on the ground wow. at the, with the machine gun and his gun had in- he had engraved on his own gun you're fucked and oh, like, I think I've seen that. That was pretty horrifying. Yeah, yeah but like, yeah, it was like, yeah. So that's why I was like, it's prescient. The police shooting this. But I was like, okay, what's the payoff? And then, and that's why like things are worse now because you could just see, 
you know, the footage. And yeah, sorry for the tangent, but like, oh no, I I agree it's very prescient, but I feel like it's prescient that's tapping into like the zeitgeist, like the, what was subconscious to a lot of people of like just consuming. Well, I mean, rhetoric. even even then, though, some of those things are still relevant today. No, yeah, but so yeah, it, so he's doing the whole Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian thing, like, like I don't think people could predict a Kim Kardashian coming. So like Chris and now being like, you know, known for doing adult material just like Kim Kardashian or Paris Hilton doing their you know their sex tapes and whatnot like making them who they were or who they are now like they're leaving behind all that like like and now everyone sees them as these really successful entrepreneurs but, um, if, but yeah that's why I felt more like demeaning mm. because they it felt like they were doing like I guess prescience but like it's like looking at you know, it's like the, like our, we're not gonna have Audrey Hepburns or respectable women. We're gonna have porn stars that are ditzy and dumb, and those mm-hmm. are gonna be our Audrey Hepburns and our celebrities. And like that's part of societal decay. Well, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if they're saying that. That's what it is about. That's that, I feel like that it's that way because they don't character. give her more depth beyond being that like mm-hmm. caricature. I get it's a comedy, but like. I just wanted like something like just give her like a hobby she's like a give her an artistry give her something because like everyone seems kind of vapid and one-dimensional like if you're gonna like make her two-dimensional just mm-hmm. just like the rocks character is more two-dimensional than a lot of characters or three-dimensional than a lot of characters there he has like motives and desires and you feel like there's like you know you connect with him beyond like i felt like her character i it, it didn't land that way she felt like she was just comedic relief or the rock is comedic relief but then he has you know bigger stuff and then she feels you know kind of just there to be attached to his character but that doesn't help her be an elevated character and that's where i'm like oh it feels like it's kind of playing into those tropes instead of making them both equal or you know yeah i mean uh she wrote the screenplay but i guess if you had prior knowledge before the movies like you know that she has psychic abilities so yeah. she knew what was i mean she already knew what the story was how it's going to shake out because she has the screenplay and the screenplay is basically foretelling mm-hmm. their future which is everything's coming true um but yeah i agree i mean i guess yeah there isn't like but i need that, that I whole need, i need this i need to see them with the screenplay connecting first because it kind of comes in in media res where they're already together and the psychic yeah. stuff is kind of in the back seat i felt or I don't know. It just feels like they're, I was handing the character and I've missed like this. I just want more of that earlier stuff then. And that's where I go back to the, like, I get you want the franchise, but like you got to make the, if you want a franchise, you got to have like the hook or the origin. And that, I didn't, it didn't hit that feeling for me where I wanted directly more. I was just more curious of like, I felt like I missed it, and then when I heard, like, oh, there's other context and other stuff, I'm like, I wanted that in the film. Yeah. And I'm sorry to step on your... <laughs> your oh, rating no, 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 not at all. So I'll stop. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the film that he intended to make, so if he were to make chapters one through three as a film, then four, five, and six would never gotten made, and I would rather see four, five, and six than chapters one through three. Um, and I think he did the right thing um, yeah I mean he doesn't regret it so I'm like you know 
I get it. Because if he made just the first three chapters, I mean, there isn't really... Like, the end of chapter three isn't like, oh, man, I can't wait to see the next one. It's just, like, it's a lot of world building. Yeah. Then, where we see um, Boxer Santeros wake up at the beach is after he had, like, a like a crazy night just walking out on the beach under the influence of fluid karma. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I guess he, like, basically bled and traveled into the past, got to talk to, like, another person that also bled into the, that per- bled into the future. Um, so, yeah, that's where we see him. He wakes up from having that kind of hallucinative experience. Yeah. He should streamline it then. Reduce, streamline. St- re- streamline the the complete narrative if you're only going to get one movie. Yeah. Because it then reduce the ensemble cast and you may have to chop off certain side plots, but then you'd get the complete, like the liquid, the fluid karma, visions, the script, creation, the connection of these characters. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I quite understood what fluid karma did. Um, like, I, like, to me, I feel like it... With the with one of the introductory scenes of the um, of Sean William Scott's character, you just see him like moving in the mirror, and yeah. then the other one. I was like, okay, I feel like it relates to that where it lets you jump yeah. forward in time or do something like that. But yeah, I feel like there were lots of different elements in the uh, script that. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe if I rewatch it again, I'll like pick up on it. But at the same time, I don't know if that's like a good thing, um, because it's like, I don't know. There was just so much. Um, it was like sprinkled through, like here and there. And I'm like, I hope I get some sort of clarification on that, or maybe I just wasn't picking up on it. Yeah. I don't know. I I did love that. That was great. I was hooked by that. The delay on the reflection, mm-hmm. and then when you get the context that it's because of. I don't want to spoil it, but but Wait, then spoilers now, right? Nah. <laughs> oh, I think I think we're wrapping up our general yeah. <laughs> like sentiments. But I do I do a, I do a but I, I like it hooked me. I was like that's very it's I was like that's very good. I like that. It's very like I'm hooked. Like what the hell? Like what's causing this? And then but then in the the explanation comes through like dialogue, like exposition being told to another character, like mm-hmm. this happened with this character at this location. And that's why that thing earlier was happening. I'm like, I, I would have loved to see it. I want to streamline that. Make it start from one, reduce, like, idiocracy. There's parallels in some ways, satire of American culture. Time travel. But, like, if you look at idiocracy, it's like a condensed, there's like, what, four or five real characters at mm-hmm. most? And then there's like, you know, add-on comedic characters. But right. that allows it to be streamlined where you can follow this weird they shoot right. forward in time, stuff happens, you and you experience the world through them, and then the payoff happens. Where this one, but, but you're saying we should cut half the characters. I how essential are some of the characters? I mean, I love all the characters. I don't want to. I don't want to lose any of them. Well, I'm not gonna kill them with a gun. They just won't be in the movie. They already cut. They I mean, cut. They cut. What's her name? So imagine, yeah, Janine Garoppolo's yeah. character not being there. So like, what? She's if not. She's we got not, rid of yeah. Justin Timberlake's character, and then like well, Osasso's character. He'd but, have to be in it though. He's like yeah, one he's of the main probably, ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, We'd get rid of know. maybe Will Sasso's character. He'd be a more. Yeah. Will Sasso would just be like he'd have two scenes instead of as many as he has. Mm. He'll be he'll do his key things related to the characters, and then we could see more of the other stuff instead of 
seeing him do everything and then having characters tell us what happened before with other characters. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's where I'd want to trim some of the stuff. Like the bribery with the Cheney character and the neo-Marxists. With I like that stuff. That was funny. I get it's like political intrigue or it's like fun satire and like, you know, but it just feels like, again, it kind of falls in the trappings of like, you know, I'm shocking your balls, Dick Cheney. And it's kind of like, you know, if you're going to do this, this, this grand through line about the main characters and the future pres- prescience and the decay of society and the fluid karma, I, I'd want, like, you can cut the... Dick Cheney getting his balls tased in the bribery thing because it it just feels cathartic for like that era if you're like yeah. I hate Dick Cheney so much I want right, to right. if you know if he just wasn't there the world would be a better place where it, you know I feel like the the main plot is a bigger message than that and having that scene where I'd, I'd feel better if we had more of you know like because you know he's gonna the ending's gonna happen and characters get their comeuppance and then we'd have the complete through through line instead of like a big tree that goes down to the central. But yeah, that's 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 like my big criticism of like starting in the in the way it start. Or I even get starting in the media res, but then we go back narratively to the first. Like we start at the same spot. Even there's that great scene with the delay in the mirror. I'm hooked. What the hell is that? And then we can go forward a little bit and then go back and see like the creation of the script and the connections of characters or you know you can do the media res and then i just wanted that stuff and then you know it's just a lot of the movie felt like i was like the fluid karma stuff it's like oh there's like a chernobyl reactor that's shooting a ion light off the shore of venice beach and like oh it's connected to like i thought it was just like a like a nuclear reactor that like because of the world war three ongoing and the scarcity of fuel Mm. suddenly that they're like, oh, we're just doing like half, like haphazard, like nuclear reactors where it's shooting up like Chernobyl esque ions right into the sky and like definitely radiating the whole area. And they're but they're just cutting corners. They're like, you know, we got to win the war, so who cares if you know cancer rates shoot up ninety percent in Venice Beach? I thought it was that, but then it's actually fluid karma related. And then throughout the as the film's progressing, there's like they're saying quantum entanglement, like the news presser how does this all work and he's like you know they just say quantum entanglement <laughs> he's like that's not an answer then they just move on but it felt like the movie's doing that and it's like you know what is this oh it's this then scenes happen actually it's this or it also does this and then scenes happen and then we're at the climax and it's all coming together but it felt like i never had a chance to see it come together i was just being told progressively like this is actually this this and then we're at the climax and they're like okay it's all coming together right now i was like oh it feels like you know i i would have i want to be more along the journey than have an exposition told to me or you know here's the footage of the car explosion and yeah i want to see the car explosion (laughs) i want to see the yeah the stuff they talk about and that's why I was like, just streamline it if you're going to only get one movie. Mm. Well, I'm sure if you told Richard Kelly that, he would disagree and still wouldn't have regrets. Oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm with him on that. I mean, just if he did it that way, I don't know if, if the movie would turn out the way it did or if it was still would be as good. Um, at least personally, I, yeah. I enjoyed the journey. I liked the feeling of just being dropped in 
and then just kind of figuring everything out and just kind of taking in what the film is showing me and telling me and um yeah for a movie with a ton of exposition like it didn't you know it didn't treat you like you were not a smart enough viewer like it leave it left you room to like figure things out which is um i thought it was a good thing um and luckily the movie had enough like characters that I liked and attached to and I thought Chris Sennell was one of the more stronger characters in my opinion um yeah with the climax and what her character goes through and I mean just seeing Sarah Michelle Gellar's like performance and the way she was emoting with key characters I thought that was really strong so um and then Moby's like score um the music that he did, uh, I think it's called Memory Gospel for the final, like for the climax, was really good. I've been like trying to listen to that. So, um, yeah. Um, are we in spoilers now? Hello. Is this Jericho Kane? Yes. This is Dr. Muriel Fox. I've uncovered the secret documents about the title generator. Your hypothesis was correct. A corruption in the tidal drag has caused a rift in a space-time continuum. Where is the rift? Out in the desert, near Lake Mead. There's more, but I cannot tell you here. They're listening. Call this number, 310-691-6496. Okay, the police shooting. It nice, was, nice it was, segue. It was. I I did like it, but then again, like that, like you were talking about. Who's the actor? John John Lovitz. John Lovitz. Yeah. I always want to say John Belushi, but it's not John Belushi. <laughs> John Lovitz. Uh, he's great, and when he's first introduced, he does. I was like, oh, it's John Lovitz. I was like, oh, he's he's trying to be menacing, but then he kind of pulls it off, and then he shoots the two activists. And the, but it was dream and Dia. Yeah, but it's funny because it was set up to be a fake shooting. Yeah. To, and this is the thing where I felt like I was missed. They're like they're trying to manipulate uh, Boxer, <laughs> the Rock's character. Yeah, because he's a uh, on the Republican side. Okay. Yeah. See. Because uh, he's married to um, the vice president's daughter. I think the senator or, or the senator's daughter. Mm. Senator's daughter. Someone daughter. who's making a run for the election, though. If I'm yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Frost. Yeah. I think it was yeah Frost versus yeah Bob Frost. Yeah. Okay. But like I, I think we're missing the like they're trying to manipulate them, influence them to align with them, but we're missing like it's said in exposition of like oh missing boxer married to blank. Mm-hmm. But it's like we're missing, the where his am, he, and then he's am, am, amnesic. What's the word? Amnesia. Amnesia. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. But yeah, it's like okay, they're trying to influence him. He's amnesic, but like I didn't understand his significance directly. I just I just understood he's married to the vice president's daughter. Well, he's also a movie star, so movie star he actor. has a lot of pull, and if he's caught in a scheme, then that can like. Because they're trying to rig the, the election, right? The neo-Marxists. Yeah. So they're, like, setting up deals, you know, with all these on all these sides and cutting, you know, they're mm-hmm. setting up a deal with Krista, but then she, like, It was a double, triple them. cross, yeah. Um, but it's, like, the, yeah. yeah, but, like, their, their plan didn't... 
completely makes sense at the start. So, okay, he's filming it, and then there's these, you know, and then what's the actor's name who plays the police officer? I forget. Sean William Scott? Sean William Scott. Mm-hmm. He's also, like, clearly out of it in a way, which foreshadows their connection later on. But I, I don't know. It just felt like... Yeah, it just felt very... It, it felt like I, I, I was like, I'm missing something. But then we went to the police. It's like, okay, there's a fake shooting, and he's going to be, like... He's going to document it, and it's going to... Like, his... I was like, honestly, like, him being a celebrity is going to... He's going to document it, and then release it and then use the celebrity to like advocate for change and then but it's actually see that's where i'm like well he was recording it because he was trying to play this role of jericho kane and that felt that yeah but that also felt fake for some reason that felt like he was manipulating other people that's That's, uh, yeah that was what he was because they knew that he was um, setting up a plan to like make this movie right because Will Sasso's character Fortunio is supposed to be helping them produce okay. this film, but then he's kind of tangled up in it because of Kristen now who had him do that or pretend to be like the producer to make this film, mm-hmm. um, this prophetic script, and um, yeah because because Boxer has amnesia and he doesn't really know like his ties, yeah um, he's just kind of following along and. So they're telling him, okay, we're going to make you really important. You're, you're going to be in this really big film. And he's like, okay, so he's going to do research for it. And, but then they're also um, swapping out the officer. And that's where I felt like... Yeah. Is that, I was like, is it like a thing where they both have ulterior motives, but they're both playing along for each other without knowing it? That's why, that's why I thought, like, The Rock was also... Because he was pretending to be an officer. And then I, I just didn't get the context for The Rock's motivation. Like, I thought... Like, I thought he was, like, kind of trying to fulfill the script simultaneously. Or, I, yeah, I was like, I, I don't see his motivation, but I see that they're manipulating him. And I was like, but he's, like, he's just married, he's a celebrity. Mm-hmm. But, like, again, like, I, I didn't, like, we don't see his celebrity or his presence. I, I don't know. It just... I was just told he's a celebrity and he has amnesia. And I was like, oh, and he's married to the vice president's daughter. Those just felt like facts told to me. And I was like, okay, like, he has some kind of plan I'm not aware of yet. I didn't know. It was just him being raw manipulated, and I thought he had, like, something else going on. I know he's just straight up like, oh, I'm actually... Because when he shows up amnesia, I was like, is he lying about having amnesia? He, you know, there's the explosion in the car. So I was like, he has to have, like, motivations, or I was like, is he... Or is he a a white slate? That's why I was like, no, I think... That's why I was like, I don't... Yeah, I was like, is he... It just felt, yeah, and then I felt like... Yeah, like, make signals on it. And yeah, because yeah. I didn't... We didn't directly see it, or, you know... So I was like... I felt like I was just told facts, and then I was like, okay, he must have, like, the script, and he wants to make the movie. I'm like, okay, but, like, what's this... Is it just the script? That's where yeah. I... That's, I didn't believe it was just the script, because of all the events I was told prior, like, Vice President's fiancé, daughter... Da- Vice President's daughter's fiancé, massive celebrity car explosion in the desert or missing for three days found in mm-hmm. a car explosion in the desert with a dead body i was like okay there's like some there's some like machinations happening in the background he's attached to so when he's like i want to do a ride along and do this i'm like right. oh he has some kind of like i was like he, this fits into the other stuff in his bigger plan that i'm not aware of yet and then you see them also like make 
Sean William Scott's character is like pretending to be an officer to do a certain thing with him. I'm like, oh, this is like, I was like, are they skirting surveillance systems? Are they like, you know, are they avoiding detection and somehow meeting up and doing things together through this guise of it's for a screenplay or a ride along for that? That's why I was like so confused. I was like, they're both manipulating each other. Or they're both in cahoots in a way to stage this, but then it felt then it was more like, oh wait, he's not in on the shooting part, but is he in on the fact that they're the neo Marxists are connected, or is he not in on that? That's but I was like, but I was like, I he has to be in on it because he's there's all that intrigue earlier. Like there has to be some conspiracy he's are you involved about in. The Boxer Santeros. Yeah. No, he's not in on any of that stuff because he he yeah. is the because he's the person that um, was selected is the clone. Yeah. So he, of course, he doesn't have memory of that. Well, it might be also like of the fluid karma causing that. I'm not sure, but that I happened to yeah. Roland Taverner's character or Roland Taverner because he's also the the clone as well or yeah. the the other version of himself. No, I had to look that up. That it's caused by fluid karma refinement. Mm-hmm. Is those the the region the desert is like a Lake temp- Mead. Yeah, Lake Mead, is, there's, a, there's a temporal, like, resonance. There's a space-time rift yeah. there that... Because of the so fluid So basically, he drew, he drove him in there, yeah. He drove him in um, there, and then he... They went 69 minutes back in time. Yeah, and there's two of them, so... Yeah. And, but one of them's killed. One of them got self-destructed by, I think, Serpentine? Yeah. That's why he confronted her. Yeah. But again, we didn't see that. Yeah. yeah. That's, like, an issue. To me, that, that sounds so much more, like... I want to know more about that. Yeah, I had to look at I look I looked up in the synopsis where it exp- it like connected like oh this happened prior, in the story like the reason there's two, the rocks yeah. in theory we don't get to see the dead body, or we don't get to see the where they're both alive wiggling around, in right. the Lake Mead area. <laughs> but yeah, that's why I was like oh and then yeah. That part that's why I was confused because there's all that, like temporal shift to the rocks. But it's delivered an exposition without a C in it. And so I assume there was intrigue there. So when he's doing actions later on that we come in the film, he's like, I'm going to do a ride along. And he's beating this guy who has also a doppelganger. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this like, there has to be some connection. Or there's like, you know, there's a car explosion, desert, missing for three days. He's shown up, he's laying low. He's now going on a ride along with Neo Marxist agent who's pretending to be a cop. I was like, oh, there's like some kind of like, they're working together. But then they're staging a shooting to manipulate him. But I thought, I was like, they're in cahoots though, aren't they? Because he's laying low. He, he somehow escaped an assassination attempt or cause, like he found out too much or someone's after him. He's saying he's amnesic, but he, he's probably not. That's going to be, rev- that's why I was like, so I was like, what? I was like, why? Like, what is happening? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry you didn't write the movie, Patrick. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry the movie isn't, I'm sorry I didn't write the movie either. But no, I'm sorry, yeah. That's, but I'm not, I don't feel insane for saying I want to see two I don't, of, I don't think you, no. I want to see I, two I of the rocks hanging out in Lake Mead and the, one of them's killed by yeah. the conspiracy serpentine. Right. I want to see temporal shifts. I don't want but, someone to say there's temporal shifts. I want to see the shift. It's a but movie. But again, like at a seventeen and a half million dollar budget, like it's yeah. that's why he couldn't do what he did. You know, that's why a lot of the money at the end. I mean, it's. I don't know. Legit, legit, legit has some weight, and that's just photos. Yeah, yeah it's like, you yeah. can achieve a lot it's more just with production medium. design. Yeah. And. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, if only he had more money. If he had, like, maybe 40, 50 extra million, I mean, he probably would have done... Could, you could reduce the cast. Extreme life. Honestly, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, get the three big guys, the three big names, and then add every... You know, and then people can work... If they want to be in, they'll be in one scene, so you pay them accordingly. If they still want to be there, you want Jean Garoppolo. I do want her in the film... Even if it's just as a non-speaking role in the background, you know, if she wants to be in it, she could be in it. But I don't need to, you know. I'm not saying I don't need it, but I'm saying I'm not. I don't feel like I'm insane for going. Like, I want to see that stuff, or I, I, I'm, yeah. It, it seems like it doesn't. It reaches a certain pinnacle moment in that storyline, and then it doesn't. And then expand the, upon it, and then to yeah, where, <laughs> to where it could really elevate it, or not even that, but. It, it doesn't feel earned. Yeah. And or then, like it has a full-on resolution or... Like the apocalyptic revolution. I was like, this is just happening? Yeah, it's like, it doesn't feel like it gets resolved in a good way. No. Um, or no, it just feels like suddenly the like revolution is happening and then revolution happens. I was like, I... Oh, yeah, you want to see more of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get like... Like it Amer- isn't built up. Yeah, like Amer- like crazy American gun culture is like yeah, there's the fifty calibers mounted everywhere. Yeah, it's like the what's going state. on with that? <laughs> but then we see the counterculture, like the neo Marxists, and they're like kind of, I get they're played by comedians and comedic, but like their motivations are very selfish and singular, and they seem like outcasts. So I'm like, oh, the broad society is in agreement with how the status quo is. So when there's suddenly like revolution at the end i'm like this you know was is this from the police shooting or because we've seen like just the sniper towers kill like three people mm-hmm. with no investigation no one bats an eye or like they just leave the area it's like very commonplace so i was like oh now now they're revolting is it you know it just feels yeah I'm like it just well, felt like yeah i mean dream dream and dion yeah i mean they're on the news too and people were talking about how like they're mourning over them yeah, but it's like so that might have been the trigger because I mean they were trying to stage the double murder for a reason, right? To to tip the tide and like the voting, and I guess they're pretty well known in that subculture. But then the other, but the character mocks their presence of like your slam poetry or your. Are you talking about Zora? Zora, yeah. No, Zora's like not a part of part of them. She's like on her own thing, trying to scheme for like money and. Yeah, but when with uh, Bart Bookman. But they're like, but she's like, you're yeah, you're a counterculture like po like slam poetry or spoken poetry like, like you're, you're it felt like you're like oh you're just like a bourgeois like you're not you're no agent of real change you're just like you know you're an artist who, uh, happens to be against the status quo or you know, it felt like this is more like even they reference their public image it's kind of like oh they're more they're more celebrity based than actual like revolutionary force so that's why i felt like oh like you know people are mourning them like oh i'm being told people are mourning them and then later in the film like i'm being told the revolution is now on and they're storming the the nsa equivalent so like oh no there'd be like i don't know it just feels like i need i need more like like horrible conditions where it's like oh it'd make perfect sense for people to you know, revolt against this. Just more police brutality, mm. more military brutality outside of, like, they're just, like, omnipresent, but you don't see, like, I don't know what, maybe it's... You don't get any further development, in a, in yeah, a sense. It's, like, omnipresent and shitty everywhere, but it feels like people are just, like, 
living still. It doesn't feel like it's like completely overbearing of like, you know, a cop doesn't just or the military police don't just stop. You don't see him just stopping people and like or assaulting protagonists or like establishing. They just say it happens like oh like you know my neighbor's being raided. I hate you fucking by you and it's like oh. If we're if we're in you know Nazi Germany equivalent but in modern America post the nuclear attacks in World War Three, I I need to see the boots. I mean, we we did see a scene where they just stormed that building and just shot a bunch of innocent people, right? Yeah. I mean, that's. But that, but they're like Eli, Eli Roth made his like cameo. Yeah, but then that's the but then that's like at the, at the cultural moment in the zeitgeist, like if if they're terrorists, that's an acceptable portrayal of, right? Like media, like oh yeah, like the the operators are going in. I do like the detail they have that pistol that wraps around the yeah, corner. Yeah, wraps around. Yeah. That was yeah. That like that was terrifying. <laughs> I that's I remember seeing that on like History Channel or like the old Army Channel. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but like, but they were like acceptable targets in like a police state. Like I want, if, I don't know to believe that like the common man is gonna or the common people are gonna be revol- revolting and then like that level of brutality needs to be on them as well not just like the neo-marxists in the mm. quirky like compound with the the vote digits for votes and the you know because like then just you know americans are just going to mcdonald's and eat food like down the street from that building and they're getting shot not the mcdonald's people or not the the satirical representation of the american it's kind of like i think demolition man has that a little bit where it's like, oh, there's the underground society, and then three-fourths of the way through the movie, you finally see him. And then the revolt just kind of happens in that movie, too. But yeah, that's why. But yeah, the great mm-hmm. scene. <laughs> John Levitz? Yeah, John Levitz. He plays a great menacing cop, and I was like, oh, this is like, when he's like, like no, you need backup. And yeah. <laughs> he goes in and shoots him, and it's like funny. Oh, yeah, he was incredibly villainous. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, dang, I'm afraid it's of very, that guy. Very foreboding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that scene. Yeah. No, I was like, oh, it's like just, that's where I was like, oh, he's, he's just like, a, in the future, cops are just like, oh, like they're just blatantly racist and they just, yeah, he just shot him and left. Like, oh, domestic disturbance. Okay, I'm done here and leaves. But then he shows up later and he's involved in a conspiracy with a bad person. So it's like, okay, it's like he's he was in on it. So he, I don't, I'm not one to believe in this universe like I want to see average cops doing that yeah and if he was just a racist cop who just showed up and killed those two couples and and he's like okay I'm not involved in any conspiracy or anything I'm just you know oh job well done and leaves it adds more weight to it yeah it makes Mm -hmm. it's obvious like oh yeah like you know like this is a rule yeah or it's like (laughs) really like there's like literally nothing you just walked in and shot him and left and it's like okay like there'll be no investigation no nothing Mm mm-hmm and I get it, it communicates that, but the fact that he's in on it is, like, now I'm like, oh, like, they shot him, they went back, they hit the bodies, maybe, or they moved it, they, it's less, it's less left of open to interpretation. Like, if it was in public, and he just showed up, and, like, shot him in front, and, like, everyone kept going amongst their business, like, oh, like, this is very commonplace, and it's, like, a hellscape, it's more, it communicates, but this movie, it's like, oh, no, the presence of the the military and the police and their omnipresence is enough to cause the revolt and that's why i'm like at that time we were all like you know nsa was being created ice was being created in that you know post 9-11 world 
So the film's aware of like the creations of these instruments, but I just you know I just fell into the thing of like the exposition is saying it's gonna happen instead of us seeing it. That's yeah, it's, and just so much confusion. Or like oh like the fluid karma thing. It's like oh it's like the Tesla coil theory. Like this is cool, but then there's the there's temporal connections to it. And then it just felt like each time along I learned more about food karma was, you know, just someone telling me it, like, different times. Like, there's the news coverage of it and, like, you know, quantum entanglement. Like, that's funny, okay, so, like, that's going to be significant. And then there's food karma. It's like, okay. And then there's, they're meeting the Japanese prime minister, which kind of harkens back to Japan-phobic, like, 80s and 90s culture, which is kind of weird. Whereas, like, we're selling the patent to, you know, the tech-advanced, like, Japanese. And, like, that was, like, that's kind of a dated thing. That's where it's kind of out of the zeitgeist. Because, you know, the post-80s, 90s boom. But, like, they take... Why do they take the hand? Yeah. Uh, it's like, are they taking the hand for, like, nuclear... Japan's nuclear codes later on in the film? For the thumbprint? For authorization somewhere? I was like, I'm confused by the scene, except for to establish character is a villain in an aspect. But then in the well, end, he said he's gonna have the he wanted to have the hand bronzed or something. Yeah, but how does that warrant a scene in this film with a side character who's a news conference <laughs> <laughs> who's explaining the science that I don't get explained or I don't get to see explained except for in chunks throughout the narrative and like exposition instead of seeing it in more detail. That's why I'm like I. That's why that's like my issues with the narrative the way it communicates stuff through narrative and exposition as well as like the the confluence to the convergence it's like i want to i want a confluence but you can have it you can streamline it instead of being out here to here and i feel like getting to here was not rewarding as i would have if it was like here to here with slightly less of that convergence slightly less stuff converging would have been more rewarding if you had time to flush out the things that are converging instead of like everything like like that scene still jumps out to me. It's just like I forgot about it almost in our whole discussion until then with the bronzing of the hand. Because mm. like I'm I'm trying to like I, there's like motions being happening. Right. I'm like oh. But again, like the whole idea of like seeing more of it just would have meant that the film would have never gotten made, and so he just packed whatever he could. But it, why, it would yeah. be nice to see everything play out, but like it just—it was a matter of like, well, what can you do in that seventeen million? Yeah, it's that's why I'm knocking the film. He wasn't gonna—he wasn't gonna compromise, you know. And yeah, that's why I I'm knocking he, it for not compromising. Like yeah. you should—you you gotta comp, like you know, compromise create or limitations lead to creativity, or you know, you, mm-hmm. you do what you can. Like Lajette again, it's like all still photography and narration until like the last whatever, and it's like one of the. One of the very, very significant, like, early sci-fi films of, like, the 50s or 60s, I forget. But, yeah, like, they did that with just photos and costuming and locations. Right. So, I'm like, you know, you could have... I mean, I don't know if that's fair to compare that to Southland Tales. Yeah. I don't think Leger had 17 million. I mean, they're both sci-fi dystopian, but, like, that was 17 million to do still photos? No, I'm saying I don't think Lajet had nearly right, but enough as <laughs> much like, money. Comparing no, the yeah. budgets of that is just like pretty gargantuan. Like I'm not trying to compare the budgets. I'm just trying to compare like the the value judgments and the the spectrum of a comp like the spectrum of 
achievability is like you know having he gets to make the one Southland Tales with the one budget and I'm 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 saying it's a criticism of mine in doing that as well as you know even admiration mm-hmm. an aspect like uh like to stay like no I'm doing it all I'm doing only this then like I it's a, it's an admirable decision to make I think it's like even David Lynch like David Lynch does that a lot it feels where it's like no it's like this or nothing as an artist or you know auteur theory like that's good but then I'm criticizing it for saying like you know if you had the one film and the one chance me personally like my opinion only like that's all this is is, that's like the whole podcast is just my dumb opinion that like come on man just streamline it and make the complete narrative yeah complete the con to me it sounds like an incomplete constellation or like the points are like all sort of like jumbled up yeah and it's like okay you have to really decide on are you if you're gonna introduce this plot segment can you do it all the way with your Mm -hmm. limitations or do you just include it anyway because it's like, oh, well, fuck it. Let's at least get some of it in there. Yeah. Right. Like, it doesn't feel like a completed point right. to create the the complete well, picture of it all. I mean, he's bypassing, obviously, the traditional conventional storytelling. Oh, this is the first act, and the second act, and this is the third. This is, like, at a middle point in a story. And it's, I mean, he, I don't think he ever intentionally was going to film chapters one through three live action anyway. Mm-hmm. I think those parts most likely was going to be graphic novel which it did turn out or an animated portion Mm -hmm. but I mean yeah I mean like I mentioned he wanted to do a web series and even like Mm -hmm. maybe return to this world but in like a different time period and bring him the rock back (laughs) but obviously the rock is too big now to to probably want to do anything with this because it bombed in his career but um where's it going with that um Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure, you know, you and the producers were saying that too. Yeah. Like, because they were obviously being right, confused and confounded by, like, what he was doing with the movie. I thought um, it's not, it's less confusion, it's just, like, a, a criticism towards the decisions. Yeah. Like, I'm not confused. I, like, I had to look up, like, oh, like, oh, the temporal shit, the fluid karma. I was like, okay. Right. My just thing is, like, why not to include that in, like, this, the film as, like, mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, and then you mentioned the franchisement stuff. It's, uh, I think the, you know, some criticisms I've seen of the recent Dune is that, like, the first movie is, you know, it's like, how much of it is a complete narrative? And, and like, in, in creating franchises, like, especially nowadays in the Marvel and Disney, like, there's a lot more setting up, and, you know, there's, there's no complete story without yeah. an open end enough to continue said story. That's that's how I felt about the latest Spider-Man movie. Cuz it it feels like it's just made to get you to the third one. Like yeah. that's it. Like that's the, I mean, but I get what you're saying though. Yeah, Absolutely. like yeah, I'm I'm criticizing the decision not to include certain aspects because you know, I'm like it feels like uh like you say the graphic novel or an animated segment somewhere else or a web series. But it feels like, I don't know, it feels like a weird like decision to... Because the film is a start and end narrative, typically. 
then there'll be other films that are connected and now it's getting even more blurred and blurred like Netflix and TV streaming right. where it's like t- a 10 yeah, episode he, movie I mean he wanted it to be a very interactive experience he wanted you to watch this movie and then go out and like maybe buy the graphic novels or maybe do research and figure out all the you know uh, hidden uh, or figure out like yeah. elaborate more on the subtext because they only give some portions of it in subtext or even characters appearing and but that's that's like, going to be detrimental to the the to the finished the film as a, an, an individual item. It's going to be detrimental. It'll be rewarding for those that do like seek it out. Right. I think of like the Cloverfield ARGs or right. that stuff. Like it can be very rewarding or can have like a cult following. But my thing is like, my criticism is like you, you should have like a complete narrative in this like thing because a lot of people are never going to do the research. And then you can still have the web series. You still have the like, you know, like Halo. You play Halo, but then you get the Halo books, and apparently they're crazy. <laughs> it's like over the top, like insane, like sci-fi stuff. But like the games are complete enough. I don't know about the most recent ones, but like Halo One through Three, complete yeah. story, start and right. narratively finishes. I like it. A lot of people like it. It's just, and that's my criticism. Just the decision not to have the start end. Like sealed I, off enough where you could elaborate and people can pursue that. I, I feel like I agree with Kevin earlier when you said you compared it to Metal Gear. Because, mm-hmm. like, when I first played Metal Gear, I played Metal Gear Solid 2. And I didn't have any context oh, man. Of, of, of the prior <laughs> games or even, like, you know, potential. Like, because I think at the time, yeah, it was right before Metal Gear 3 Snake Eater came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I enjoyed just being dropped in. It didn't feel like. I never thought at some point, no, I wanted to see that actually happen. It's like, I feel like I already am enjoying so much of like what I'm getting, what they're showing me then, and like even the scene with like, they're talking <laughs> about Cock Chuggers 2 or something. And like, just all, that whole sequence of all those characters there, and they're like basically talking shit about each other, and um, you know, the whole like Mandy Morse character, um, uh, she had like an affair or something with Brant and like she's about to have a baby um I don't know like sure it would have been nice to have way more context before that like of all these characters like talking about these issues but uh I don't know I was fine with like just dropping in and like getting that I don't need like an A, B, and C resolution but Metal Gear 2 has that it has an A, B, C within itself and then of course the whole thing is like meta-narrative and connected to the sequel but, you know, you follow the introduction of the Snake, Metal Gear, whatever. There's references to the first one, but then you're introduced to Raiden, and then you complete Raiden's story in that game. And right. Before he comes back, and he has a, you know, but, you know, you, you do, and then Kojima's doing the, it's like, oh, like, when you take over Raiden, it's directly parallel to the first game, right. and it's a whole, like, meta commentary on remakes and sequels, and how right. they'll never achieve the same status. But, you know, you'll play Raiden's story find out about you know well, all the I mean, spoilers I'm and saying then... like my experience watching this movie is like my experience playing Metal Gear 2 because I thought I was gonna play Snake I'm playing this other pretty boy yeah. kid and then you only get to play Snake at like basically the last act of the film so like I don't know I felt I felt similar like I love I really okay. liked that game a lot it was great yeah. and I'm like I'm confused by the plot in my opinion like I didn't know what was really going on but like there's all this lore and stuff and I was fine with just taking the ride. Yeah. So I'm saying, like, 
for yeah. me, that's how it was, and that's why I was able to enjoy South Grand Tales. Okay. Like, I never, I never play another Metal Gear game. I only play Metal Gear Two. Oh, Is man. it weird? If, if you <laughs> so, play, like this movie reminded me of Metal Gear Solid Four, Guns of the Patriots, just because of like the sheer wackiness of everything. Like, mm-hmm. there's a character in there named Drebin who's like an arms dealer, and mm-hmm. he has like a pet. He has like a bald pet monkey with in the diaper. And it's like, okay, like, why? And it never gets expanded upon. Um, yeah. Again, Metal Gear, Fall, Metal Gear Solid 4, more prescient than, mm-hmm. yeah, the times. But, yeah. PMCs, mm-hmm. commercialized warfare, drone armies. I mean, I was always intrigued by all the other stuff, but, like, I was like, oh, I mean, I've always wanted to play Metal Gear 1, but then, like, um, my access to it wasn't available then, and then I got a, a GameCube or whatever. I'm like, oh, they made it, they remade the game. So I'm like, oh, but I never got to play that one. Yeah. And then, it, yeah, the game just kind of got ahead of me. So I'm like, dang. I f- and then I've heard about all the cutscenes and stuff, and, like, they're super long. Yeah. So. Oh, dude, some some of the scenes in Metal Gear Solid 4 are, like, an hour and a half. Like, probably, I mean, it feels like that. Yeah. I, I'm pretty certain that they go, like, up to an hour each time. No, you can YouTube Metal Gear Solid 4 the movie. Yeah, and it's like fourteen hours, and it's all the dialogue and cutscenes. Yeah, when I got that on PS3, because I I got a PS3 for like Christmas, you know, like a few years after it came out, and then I was like, this is like the one game I want. I don't know. I've never played any of the other games. I've only seen my brother's friends play a uh, Metal Gear Solid Two on I think it was PlayStation, um, and yeah. This film definitely reminded me of uh, that particular game just because of how, you know, it, it deals with, like, the the military state. Um, of course, like, Metal Gear is, like, to an extreme. Um, <laughs> but uh, they definitely deal with, like, similar times in warfare and just seeing all this, like, malicious technology being sold out and just dealt with, like... You know, behind closed curtains, like where the government's like, they're like, no, we're gonna pay some people to do this instead of us. Yeah. Um, um, and but the thing that also stood out to me were the characters and just how absolutely insane they were. They were they were beyond caricatures, um, and I appreciated that aspect about this movie too. It it was taking archetypes and just amplifying them to a just. A very entertaining state for me um and yeah i i do commend it for that as well um any like favorite scenes that stood out to you guys i really like the dance or no the the mega zeppelin tracking shot scene just seeing all the uh the major players there and then um i think the dance number with kristen now with the playing to Moby's memory gospel just like everything coming together like it was pretty emotional sequence from at least when I was watching it I'm like man this is everything's about to play out and and then watching it a second I know even the third time I'm like man just having more context than knowing that they all know what's about to happen and then they're willing to go through with it anyway just like um yeah I think it gives all those characters more depth too uh, even Mandy Moore's character, like, she comes off really, like, uh, obnoxious, and but, like, rightfully so, like, she got cheated on, but then she also had an affair as well. Like, everyone kind of have, like, has their um, Achilles heel, you know, they all have their secrets. And um, the whole, like, 
uh, Earth, the Earth's like rotation. There's like something wrong with it. Like by, it's slowed down by point zero 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 six miles per hour. So like, mm. it kind of made sense to me like why everyone's kind of like so whimsical, and like in <laughs> the rock, like I don't know. And that scene with The Rock and Starla, when she was like, if you don't let me suck your dick, I'll kill myself, or I'll oh, shoot yeah. myself or something. Like, it was so funny. At least to me, like, that humor really hit. I loved um, seeing him with, like, the six-pack of, like, Bud Light. Oh, just, yeah. like, pouring over his face, yeah. just drinking it. Oh, my God, that was hilarious. Um, yeah, and even the moments with, like, Pilot Abilene and uh, Martin Kufafer. Uh, yeah, even that actor that plays him, uh, Lou Taylor... Pitchy or Pucci? He's like a really good um, actor. Uh, seeing him in a few good things. Um, he's yeah. real young in this, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's like 20. I was like, he, it, yeah, I was like, he looks very familiar, but he looks different still. Yeah. Playing that totally Smash early, mid-2000s, <laughs> like, white guy dressing up in a do-rag. Like, I, I know someone who, like, talks like him and also, like, dresses like that, too. And he's like plays basketball and stuff. That's all. That's a whole other thing. I'm like, oh yeah, this feels pretty realistic. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, um, someone who has a pretty decent life but now has to, you know. Um, I yeah. did. Yeah, I did love the detail with that character towards the end, on the ice cream truck. Mm-hmm. He gets uh, he gets a missile launcher reminiscent of the the Stinger missiles. Yeah, with the historical context is uh, during the Soviet occupation of Afghanistan and I think maybe another nation in the Middle East. Uh, is it Charlie Wilson or Charlie? I forget. I think it's Charlie Wilson's war. Right, because that ice cream truck man, he sold him. He said it was a Syrian heat seeker. Yeah, right. Christopher Lambert. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, during the and then that's where it's like a very deep cut. I think intentionally to have that in because again, you go back to. 80s politics and culture it was very much uh directly funding and sneaking weapons into the taliban and the mujahideen in the middle east and like propping up these radical cells and what we would later deem as the extremist groups that are like direct adversarial threats to us or like you know monsters of direct creation by you know direct funding and supplying of arms to the region in the Middle East. So having, you know, the American youth with the Stinger missile shoot down the uh, Zeppelin. I was like, oh, there has, there's like, that's very intentional. I I did appreciate that. He's, like, he's using the, you know, the same rocket launcher that we gave to the Taliban in the 80s that would later be, you know, come back to attack the uh, Imperial American state. And it's, yeah. I was like, that's really good detail. I like that. I sure hope there's no. I sure hope there's no Ukrainian. <laughs> I sure hope funding. Was it guys with the Himmler patch? <laughs> Isn't gonna come back or anything. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, history repeats itself. Maybe we'll see. The future is scary. Oh yeah, very. But yeah, I love that detail. And then I got reminded of Repo Man. When uh, Sean William Scott. Mm-hmm. When he, when they uh, finally touch hands, the two versions of himself, two can't exist in a timeline, but because of the, the little hub of distortion, they were able to. 
And yeah, just remind me of the end of Repo Man if you've seen that or. I've not. Oh, okay. Never mind. Ignore what I said. <laughs> Have you seen Repo Man, Kevin? With the car that mm-hmm. glows. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. No, I've only I've seen. only seen or I, that's the only thing that I've heard about it. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. Back it up. That was the car. Back back it up. Back it up. <laughs> it felt it felt referential to that like punk goth counterculture film, like a direct mm. like because the you know this ice cream truck is glowing. I want to check it out. It sounds cool. It's pretty goofy, but it's a fun enough movie. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's like a reference to like the white horse or something. That's what some people are saying online. Because the whole movie's like a satire on like the founding of Christianity and that's mm-hmm. why there's like references to like um the Messiahs and like the um what's it called? Yeah, they had like ref- they had like very specific names for other people too. Oh, for Like death and um yeah and uh I think Mandy Moore's character had a name as well. Um, but yeah, they're all like puppets to the Antichrist. So basically, um, Baron Von Westphalen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The rich guy, obviously, being the Antichrist. And that's, yeah, that's a weird. Yeah. The tech guy is the Antichrist. Yeah. Not. Like, and not, then, and not... then Sean Scott's being the Messiah, and like he's. Yeah. But why the is real. The... Yeah. Primary, he's like the the real um, main character instead of Boxer, because okay. Boxer is just he's the decoy, and that's where everyone like was following him, and then they forgot about um, Roland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently, I mean, I don't know. That's it makes more sense because Richard Kelly's always been about critiquing like you know religious texts and stuff, and um, yeah. So so everyone kind of has like their role within that religious text. So even Pilate, Abilene, um, I forgot who he's supposed to be. But there's, every, you know, there's supposed to be a Moses-type figure, and then there's supposed to be, like, the, um, yeah, the, I forgot. I'm not totally familiar with mm-hmm. that, but, um, yeah, I believe that was what he was going for. So, yeah, and the whole intriguing part of Pilate, Abilene bleeding into the past, but, like, I think he was able to reach into the future to communicate with Roland Tabiner because Roland was like feeling guilty over um, injuring his best friend mm-hmm. on the battlefield um, so that's why he's like or at least Pilot Abilene is also like really um, like he's grieving over like not seeing his best friend anymore because yeah. that's like their last time ever seeing each other was through that experience so like you know he's uh basically wiping that world or or saving the world and I don't know whatever new world that they start they probably won't even like know each other I don't know mm-hmm. but yeah I like I just like the fact that I can splash Donnie Darko over this film and then the plot like makes more sense to me you know <laughs> because like I see the patterns that Richard Kelly is doing and both very similar endings and um, yeah I feel like the payoff at the end with Krista and Boxer and, um, shoot, I forgot her name. Mandy Moore's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frost, isn't it? Frost, that's something Frost. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I don't know if she, I think they made her blonde for a reason, so she's kind of like the duality. She's like the other Krista. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Madeline. Madeline Frost. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Mary, Ma- Mary Madeline? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and, um, 
Wait, Mary Frost? Or Mad- Madeline Frost? Yeah, Madeline Frost. Okay. Um, yeah, and then, I don't know. The whole scene with Cindy uh, Panitsky. Um, her scenes were pretty funny as like Deep Throat 2 mm. or whatever and she <laughs> got on the Mega Zeppelin as well also like dying with the rest of like the main characters <laughs> oh I forgot I loved Amy Poehler and oh, who's yeah. the who's the husband he's from The Wire Wood Harris Wood mm. Harris yeah I love uh, back to favorite moments I love when the uh, they get the call that they're on their way yeah and they're like okay we got like okay we'll get started and they just start going immediately <laughs> Because it's like it's all staged, but like they, you know, like they haven't even gotten the call to go over there. <laughs> They're just gonna like, oh, they'll be over in an hour. It's like, oh, okay, and they just start yelling. <laughs> just like doing improv. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's just funny. It's like, oh, I'm so mad. Always like, oh, punch in the air. I didn't. I love that. That was probably the like one of the funniest parts. Yeah. For me, it's just like okay, well, like yeah, it's just like. <laughs> I don't know, like, they're, like, artists. Like, we gotta get in character, or we gotta hone this as, like, they're coming, or, you know. We gotta make enough of a disturbance for everyone to hear. But, like, it's kind of redundant. They're kind of repeating already in, like, the first minute. It's like, I fuck blank. It's, oh, no! <laughs> and yeah, when they show up, it's, like, almost the exact same conversation is still happening. Yeah. <laughs> So he has 200 inches. Or 200 like, inches, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that little... Yeah, I felt like they were given, like, like stretch your legs, so have fun with it, and they were having fun. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good scene, and the whole, like, squibs popping Going off. Going That was so funny. <laughs> um, yeah. Can't remember any other scenes. I know I liked a lot. I mean, I, I liked a lot of what was going on. Um, you know, just seeing uh, The Rock playing, like, you know, a paranoid schizophrenic, basically, with mm-hmm. amnesia. Um, yeah, because I guess according to Richard Kelly, like, the reason why he's coping or doing the little fingers is because, like, he's kind of tied between, like, Jericho Kane and then, like, himself as boxer and then the boxer that everyone else says he is. Mm-hmm. So he's, like, uh, dangling with all these identities and not showing who he really is um, yeah and then funny enough like Jericho Kane is like a reference to Arnold Schwarzenegger his movie uh, End of Days his mm. name is also Jericho Kane I think Jericho um, is Bible yes and Kane is too yeah so like JC like Jesus Christ uh, figure yes, yes. Um, but also a nod to Arnold Schwarzenegger because I guess I'm assuming Richard Kelly foresaw the Rock being like the next, you know, um, big action star, like in the vein of Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. um, and Arnold being like tied into politics as well, and you know, The Rock is kind of like that nowadays too, um, which is really interesting. Like, we're gonna get the Rock still, presidency. Yeah, like we his ties get. to oh, politics God. was pretty, um, pretty relevant because I'm sure people back then would be like, "What The Rock?" And you know, in politics, what that was like almost twenty years ago. So it's like I'm sure at the time people couldn't even have fathomed that because they're like, this guy from WWE is gonna be like that, and then well, he is. So I don't know, like that's what I'm saying. Like I think Richard Kelly's a genius somehow, or he's a psychic or something, or like uh, I don't know how he 
to you know specifically pick all these people to be in this movie um yeah i i wouldn't say like anyone was uh miscast or anything i think everyone played their part really well even if even if they themselves didn't know what was going on <laughs> yeah um anyway i don't think i have anything else does anyone have anything uh, they want to say um yeah I wish there were more movies like this, but I understand why there isn't, because they don't make you money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gonna take your career. <laughs> um, but I'm glad it exists, and there, yeah, there's so many great lines in the movie. Um, you know, if everyone got a little bit more cardio, there'd be less violence. <laughs> I love that line, because <laughs> I think it's true. Um, yeah, a lot of the Chris and Now one-liners are really great. Um, I do like yeah. the time machine feel the film itself gives you. Mm-hmm. The, the what? The time machine feel. Uh, like the pimps don't commit suicide. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very, <laughs> very MTV core. Very, yeah. <laughs> very early 2000s core. It's funny because like, that used to be a huge term in my upbringing. I don't know about you guys. But oh, like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so like being called a pimp or whatever is like mean you're super cool or like, you know, you, you get girls or whatever, like. Yeah, I know. It felt so weird hearing that because, like, <laughs> yeah, you don't really... That's not really a term now. Yeah, um, it just sort of faded. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd imagine anyone, like, especially Gen Z culture, watching this movie and thinking, like, what? I would be incredibly baffled by that line. Mm. So that's I think that's what makes it really stand out because a lot of these one-liners is just gonna... At least for, my, for me, like, it made me laugh and I thought about it and I'm like... Yeah, that'd be funny to say. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, teen horniness is not a crime. Like the whole song, <laughs> it being a song in Sarah Michelle Geller, I believe she actually did sing for that song as well. So like, <laughs> that was so funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just like how detailed everything was. Like everything felt very purposeful. Um, yeah, and you couldn't have done that without someone having a great vision. So, commend Richard Kelly. Um, yeah. Anyway, this is the way the podcast will end. Um, not with a whimper, but with a bang. And I'll see y'all next time. I forgive you. Revelation 21. And God wiped away the tears from his eyes, so the new Messiah could see out to the New Jerusalem. His name was Officer Roland Taverner of Hermosa Beach, California. My best friend. He is a pimp. And pimps don't commit suicide.